0: go. You guys any Bible? Heather can you grab me that one right there? Can you grab me that one right there? Thanks. There you go. Front row action. All right. Ephesians 4. We're going to continue our study going through Ephesians 4. And uh, before we do let's open up in prayer together. Father, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you um, that you're slowly uh, working in our church, working in our brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you've put us in a position to where um, we could praise you, Lord. And um, I thank you for the people, Lord, that have sacrificed their time and their energy and have taken time away from their families, Lord, to serve it to this church body, Lord. So we thank you for them, God. Um, we thank you, uh For their hearts, Lord, to just want to serve. So I just ask Lord, that you just bless them, Father. And um, God, I just pray, Lord, you bless uh, Sunday school downstairs and give uh, Travis, Lord, and uh, the strength that he needs, God, and the creativity that he needs. And bless uh, Julie and Kayla next door, Lord, as uh, they're with the little ones over there. God, as I'm sure they're going crazy. So give them strength, Lord. Give them patience. And bless our time of the study of the Word up here, Lord. We thank you for this time, God. We give it to you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians 4, we pick up in verse 17. We pick up in verse 17. And um, this is an exciting passage. I was kind of pumped to get to this point of Ephesians. Like Ephesians 1 is pretty cool. It it, it gives like background about, you know, what it means to be a Christian and um, things that are like... uh, um, entailed to the Christian that are given to the Christian that happens because of Christ but this this passage I'm, I'm kind of pumped about it's pretty exciting to read about it and uh, it reminds me of um, I remember growing up um, growing up we lived uh, in a bunch of different places and uh, at one time uh, we were like just in little you know little apartments you know for a long time and then we were on um, state aid, you know, for a long time, and so it was like, you know, life was just always a struggle, you know, it was basically, you know, no money, it was just, it was just super tight, I mean, I even remember going to Toys R Us one time, and there was like the matchbox car sitting there on the shelf, you know, and, uh, man, it had me, it had me locked in, you know, it was two bucks, it was two bucks, and, uh, I was like, mom, you know, it's probably maybe four or five at this point, it's amazing how you remember this stuff, maybe four or five, And, you know, two bucks. And mom's like, that's two bucks we don't have. And I'm like, oh, you know. So it was like, you know, just growing up and, you know, and just things were tight and that's just just the way that it was. And I'm not complaining about it. That's just the way that it was. So I remember as continued to grow up and, you know, life started to change. We got put in different places and around different, you know, situations and different people. I remember one time being at somebody's house. Uh, a friend of mine and uh this is a young kid and, and, and i'm walking around their house and i'm like wow this is a nice house like i want to come over to this kid's house all the time you know this is this is great they got a big yard they got a you know a nice living room great kitchen you know tons of food and stuff in there so i'm walking around but then there's i see i come around the corner and i see this one room and it's got like a little gate in front and they don't have pets and they don't have kids so i'm like what's the deal with the gate and the room is just—it's immaculate. The carpet is like perfectly vacuumed. You know, there's no dust in there. They have a, a huge um, armoire uh, thing in there with just gorgeous—you know—china and like silverware and dishes and plates in there. And I'm like, what? Like, so my friend is there, and I'm like, dude, you have a room you don't use in your house? He's like, no, that's that's our family room, and. It, my background was just, I don't know, it, it's just small, it's little, you use whatever you have. It's just, the idea to think that there could be some place in your house to where it could be so nice and big and spacious to where you can leave one off limits for just the special occasions. I didn't even know that was an option. So as a little one, I'm like, wow, they, this is so amazing. They have an extra room they only use once in a while. So, uh, and I remember asking him a bunch of questions about it, and he's like, you yeah, know, dude, get a grip, you know, but it was so interesting. And I think about that time, and I think about that experience, and I'm like, you know, the Christian is really also called to a life like that, where once we become saved, and once we become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, there should be some sort of it's the spirit, the spirit inside of us that moves us to say, hey, listen, this thing is for special occasions. We got to clean things out. We got to make this things nice. I am going to reside here now. And I'm like, you know, as I was thinking about this passage this week and that's like that room that's part of the house, you know what I mean? It's got the roof. It's got the walls. It's got the paint. You know, it's attached to it, but that room It's off limits. It's for special. It's for guests. It's for special occasions. And that special china. And dishes and stuff. In the cabinets. That's for company. Like that special time. In church words. We'd say that's sanctified. It's set apart. For a particular purpose. For a particular reason. And when we were bought. By Jesus Christ. With his blood. And we own that in our lives. We are now sanctified, set apart for a special reason, for special purposes, for his plans. Right? That's the way this thing works. When we become a Christian, we become a new creation. We're not the same old living room where just everybody just runs through. You just dump everything in there. And maybe some of us have approached a Christian life like that for a long time, so we don't know any way other. But it's supposed to be that special room this is my special room and I want to try and take care of it because it says that his spirit indwells and lives in me and I want to make sure this place is nice and tidy and on his terms. And so this morning, this passage that we're going to look at ties into that. It talks about, Paul's going to get into it saying, hey listen, this is the new life that has happened for the Christian. This is the new life. There was an old life. What should be happening is a new life. What should be happening is transformation. We've been talking a lot about that. What should happen is transformation. So let's take a look. Let's see what Paul's got going on here. So we pick up in verse 17. And then we'll close up today taking communion together. So I guess I'll just read through it. And then then we'll pick out some things. So Paul says, so I tell you this. And insist on it. In the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. And they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality. As to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, Created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Last week, last week we talked about, Paul talked about, and we just went right along with it. He was talking about unity in the church and how we're supposed to walk worthy. Was the work was the week before that? And as we walk worthy, a big part of walking worthy and being a Christian and trying to walk this thing out, a big part was keeping unity and keeping peace and especially trying to protect it and man- maintain it within the church. And I'll tell you what. I knew that as I was studying and you know poring over that passage and praying about it. almost every single time, we cover a message, and we talk about it here, man, it always comes up the following week. It always does, almost without fail. It's incredible. And sure enough, you know, this past week, there was shots fired in multiple places. As far as, and the enemy just, man, he just wants to put wedges into our little church family. Like, believe it or not, if you look around, you might not look very intimidating. But apparently, you're a threat in the kingdom realm. And there's shots fired all over the place. I mean, it wasn't one, there were several instances this week where it's like, man, wow, Really? unbelievable so like the Lord is trying to do a good work here he's trying to bring together our brothers and sisters he's trying to allow his spirit to be made manifest through us here and he's trying to work things out but the enemy wants to try to capitalize and drive wedges and you know mess things up so hopefully we can do a good job of protecting that and allowing him to just reign supreme here because that's the goal right that's the goal so stuff gets messy like we're people, we make messes, that's what we do, that's what happens, hopefully, we can just come before God and be like, God, I made a huge mess, I need to do it right on your terms right now, what are we going to do next, that's what the Christian does, the title of the message, and really the focus of the message is on purity, and you can see, right, it looks like laundry detergent, you know what I mean, and and that's like, you know, kind of, that's tied, right, it looks like tied, yeah, so that's like kind of the idea for the Christians that so when we become saved there's really a focus on purity because there's a focus on keeping that special room the special room where only the king dwells where only he stays there. Even if maybe I don't buy into that. Maybe if even I don't feel like I'm worth it. Why would he want to be there and do all these things? But the word says, hey listen, he dwells there and he loves us and he died for us and he paid a huge price for us. Cannot deny that fact. That's the good news. That's that love that pursues us. His love is not determined by our circumstance. We've been saying that. Depending upon how life goes up or down. His love was settled at the cross. That's where it was settled. He said right then and there, boom. You're worth it. I'm going to pay the ultimate price. I'm dying for you. That's when love was settled. It's not like, how is my day going to go today? Or if something is going to work out for me? That's not it. It's not it at all. So let's take a look at what Paul says. He says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. So he talk about walking worthy. Last week was in unity. This week will be in purity. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. The Gentiles. Probably a better phrase or translation would be like the heathen. That's probably not one you use a lot. You heathen, right? You probably don't use that one a lot unless that's in your background. Um, but the heathen, the unbeliever. Someone that just has really no understanding or concept of God. And nor do they want to. They just don't want to. So Paul is telling him, he said, listen. Don't live like that. That thinking is futile. To just ignore God, act like he doesn't exist, is futile. Silly. Don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, when we started the church in Ephesus, like it wasn't that way, you know. Don't get there now. Don't start to think like that. Why? Verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God how is this because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts having lost all sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more so here's how you know really quick if the Spirit is doing a work, and if we are truly focused and determined to want to make that special room truly a special room, to make His place, His abiding place in us a special place. Verse 19, they really summarizes up at the end there. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensual ideas to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. In other words layman's terms the sin it doesn't even bother them anymore that's what get, that's when things get really scary that's when we know we're in a bad track where it's like oh man like maybe i've done or said some things and i think i should feel guilty about it but i really don't you know and i think probably i would assume we've all been at that place one time multiple times however many times and that's scary because somehow, some way, we've let that old person sneak in there to where we've created some sort of environment and culture in our minds to where somehow it's not that bad. So we're somehow like it's kind of okay. It's real scary. And they don't care at all. In fact, they just continually lust for more. Just, hey, give me more of that stuff. Give me more of that stuff. It doesn't really bother me too much. And Paul is saying this, in verse 20 says, You, however, you didn't come to know Christ that way. Nor are we coming to know Christ that way, hopefully at this church. Hopefully not. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self. To be greater to delight God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's an awesome, the best. This is it right here. This is like the best three-step plan to seriously following after God. It's happening right now. don't know if you noticed it. It's happening. This is the best three-step plan to following closely after God. The best three-step plan to bring purity in our lives, to desire it, to go after it. The best three-step plan to just try and pursue cleanliness on the inside. Man, this thing is so important. And before we get into actually the three steps, just have to really make sure that we understand and that it's really true that cleanliness on the inside, man, is of utmost importance. It really is super important. That's like another way that you can tell when somebody, man, is maybe just not walking right with God and just not hearing right or things are getting in the way. The cleanliness on the inside is like negotiable. We know we're in a dangerous place then well, you know, it's not quite that bad. And maybe God didn't really mean for me to really put that thing off. Ah, We try and weasel with it. Man, it's so important. It's so important. Because he lives there. When he lives in us, that's a new domain for him. And his presence demands something totally different. Even Jesus said it. I think we have the verse up here. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God cleanliness is so important why they're actually going to see and experience God because they're intentionally and aggressively trying to clear all their stuff out of that room clean those carpets man get that dust off get everything out because man they want to see and experience and walk with and talk with God Many times God can seem very dull and stale and far and foreign because we're not really aggressively pursuing a certain level of purity in our lives. It matters. It definitely matters. It's heavy duty stuff. And even in Psalm 51, David said, Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart. Oh, man. We just want to be pure before God. Like, just get the stuff out before Him. Not, I'm not saying perfect. Not saying perfect. I'm saying pure. Purity for the Christian is really determined on God's terms. It's basically saying what He says about the things in my life and agreeing with Him on it and not fighting back on it. That's pursuing Purity is saying what he says about the things in my life and I'm not fighting him back on it. He says about Jared, he says about you, he says about me, hey listen, I own your body. He said I bought your body at a price. And he said in your word, he said in his word that listen, if I own your body, you're going to worship me, worship me. True worship is going to happen with your body as a living sacrifice. These are big time words. The worship just doesn't happen when we have our very talented and good looking musicians up here and we sing along. That's not just when that happens. Worship is really happening 24, 7, 7 days a week. That's real worship. Romans 12, I have it on there. It's probably out of order. But this is what I'm talking about. For although, right, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, that's worship time. When I offer this body up unto God and he owns it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So like God owns this. And he owns this region of me as well there's kids up here too right but he owns that region like he owns that part of my life if I'm a Christian right that's all submitted to him because he owns the whole thing and now also like I don't know I kind of want to at least you know not get obsessive about it but at least take care of it a little bit as well too and try and be healthy with it as well because he owns this whole thing And I can worship him by the way I actually handle. Not like it's an idol. But like in a way that like, wow, he owns this thing. He lives here. I want to clear stuff out. I want to be very careful as far as what I'm seeing. As far as what I'm listening to. As far as what is getting access to me. And man, to think that like media and TV and music... To think that that stuff does not have an effect or an influence on us in a strong and real way, I think, is really just silly. It really does. Why else would it not just be a billion and billion dollar industry where we are just locked into it? We're an entertained society. It's what we do. And it's crazy. Like, even Jaron. well love Jaron. You know what I mean? He doesn't, like, watch much. And when he does, he's watching, like... I don't know, Paw Patrol, where, like, animals are, like, you know, officers, and they're saving things, you know, and he's watching Tales and Cars movie, you know, and it's not even, like, intense things, but it's so interesting to notice the way his behavior changes if we try and monitor it to where, like, on the weekends, you know, we allow him to watch some stuff, but during the week, pretty much none, but if it's a rough day, one of us are sick, you know, we're just... It's a rough day, you know, work is rough, and maybe you and I aren't getting along so happy, Christian, you know, and it's just, it's one of those type of days, and the house is a mess, and he's watching some more TV. It's amazing to see how all of a sudden he's like, his behavior changes, and he's in a lot less, he doesn't listen as well, he's a lot more whiny, he's not quite as responsive, and it's not like he's watching Rambo on TV, you know what I mean? It's crazy how it affects us. And so like we want to be conscious of like what comes in. And what we're seeing. Certainly with our kids. Absolutely with our kids. But also with us. Because we're setting the model too and everybody's watching. Now I understand there's a certain dynamic that, hey listen, we also live in this world where like, you know, all of our co-workers and friends, they're not living on the same kind of wavelength and doing the same thing. And I get that. And and maybe at times the Spirit leads us to like, you know, go hang out with them and, and go do something and be around something that maybe we wouldn't normally pick on our own. But I would say that those situations are exceptions and they shouldn't be the norm. Right? The norm for us is I'm trying to protect man what enters in here, what comes through here. Because I want a pure height, because I want a pure heart, because I want to see God, I want to experience God, I want to know who God is. And it only happens on his terms because he is God. He's created everything. A holy and righteous God. So man, this purity thing is important because it'll help determine how much we actually experience and see God for ourselves. So, what is the awesome three-step process to help get us there? doesn't happen a lot in the Word where it just, man, lays it out for us. But here it is. Here's our three-step process to purity. Are you ready? Are you excited? God gave it to us. Let's see. Here we go. Verse 22. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Two, here we go. Here it is. Are you ready? It's happening. To put off... That's one. Put off your old self. Got to put that thing off. Got to put that thing down. Got to kill that thing. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Here's part two. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And then here's part three. And then put on the new. So we've got to put off our old, be made new in our minds, and put on the new. That is how we can aggressively pursue after purity. And it's got to go in that order. We've got to put off the old, work on the mind, and then we can put on the new. <sighs> Tell you what, and maybe you know by, maybe you know by experience, if you try and just put on Jesus, and you didn't put some stuff away that needs to be put away, it ain't working. It is just a futile effort and frustration and disappointment, and then you're like, I don't even know if God is God. I don't even know if He can do anything. He doesn't even talk with me. And we just, we indict Him, put Him in court, and then He's like guilty, and then that justifies us to do what we want to do. That's it. And that's what we do. We can easily do. The most important step is the first step is putting off the old stuff. Putting off the old stuff. So what do we mean when we say putting off the old stuff? Putting off the old stuff, meaning the old man, the old woman, woman. The old man, the old woman always wants to take care of self, put self first, put self at the center. Always. We default to self, protect self, take care of self, even at somebody else's expense absolutely so then what do we do maybe sometimes we get really defensive Um, maybe we hold people hostage you know with our feelings maybe we can isolate ourselves and maybe we can like rearrange our day and our situation so it's not too inconveniencing for us but you can see how we're still the center it's all revolving around us and our feelings and one word that Paul uses sensuality and he wasn't so much referring to as sexuality as he was referring to senses the old man and the old woman lies heavily on what he or she sees, thinks, and feels. The old flesh, the old man, the old woman, basically whatever they see, think, or feel, that trumps everything. Because that's logical. That seems reasonable. The problem is, is that you got these verses... That God from the Bible, he says, the Christian walks by faith and not by sight. He just flips it. He says, well, I know that's what you're seeing, thinking, and feeling, but that's not the truth. And then now, like, things get weird, but I'm thinking it, I'm seeing it, I'm feeling it, but it's not the truth. It's not the truth. What's true is what God is saying. And when he's already said in his word. For example, I share this one with you. So, I've been teaching mathematics now for about eight years. Truth be told, I don't like te- teaching math, <laughs> it's not exciting. I don't love it. I'm not like on the way to school, like polynomials today. <laughs> it's not happening. So I, I mean, I could do it, you know. I could do the work, but I don't love it. It's not a part of me. I'm not passionate about it, right? I'm passionate. I have a love for people. I'm passionate about seeing lives transformed for Jesus Christ, and that's what matters to me, and that's, that's where I'm going. Like, that's where I want to be. So almost every year, past eight years, contract time comes around. What I'm seeing, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, it's like, I'm grateful I have a job. But but Lord, I don't want to be here. I strongly feel that I don't want to be here. I strongly feel that this is not like what you created me to be. I strongly am feeling like this is not a great fit here. And at that point in time, have a decision. You have a decision. When those feelings, when that sight, when those things become reality do we then go with that? Or then do we submit? Well, that's a tough one. And hopefully what happens is we submit, not only just submit, we submit in joy to what He wants to do with us and through us. It's only as of recently where I can sign that contract and I can say, Lord, I thank You for giving me a good, and mean it, and mean it, I thank you that you have given me a job right now. It's definitely not getting us rich. But it's paying our bills. We have some insurance. I'm not loving it. But God, you've put me in a mission field at this school. I'm going to pray the pants off of people around here. And I'll try and give the gospel the best that I can. I'm going to try everything in my power to have your light shine through me to where maybe they can see Christianity modeled out maybe in a way they've never have before. But he has done that work. And everything that I think, see, and feel in front of me is telling me otherwise. And if I were just to go by that, I'm going to get myself in trouble. We're going to get ourselves in trouble. So it's so important to put off that stuff. And sometimes it's just, it's it's easier than that. Sometimes it's like, you know, I just have to like stop doing such and such because I know God does not approve of that. And many times he's like spoken that one to our hearts. And we're like negotiated and put, man, if you want to know God and experience him and get close and like hear his voice, put off the old, like get rid of it. And some of us are at different places. We, we experience life in different ways. We've got different years. We have to, there's more baggage there. And so sometimes it's like, a, you know, the process just keeps rolling. It's like, oh man, you know, that he brought this thing up to my attention now that like, Got to put that off, got to put that off, got to put that off. Consciously put it off. My put it off means, God, I know that I have either done this, I am thinking this way, or I'm feeling this way. I don't want to. I want you to own this particular situation. I put it in your hands. That's putting it off. And sometimes you might have an opportunity to maybe not put yourself in a particular situation. You know, Then you can really physically do it. But putting it off is putting it into his hands. Fully putting it into his hands. Step one's got to happen. Otherwise we'll never get to two or three. The purity thing just won't work out. Then step two. Be renewed and transformed in your mind. And how does that happen? That just happens by being alone with our king. There is no magic formula on that one. You can try and make one up if you want. But... You just got to get alone with him. We just got to get into his word. We just got to spend time praying with him and talking with him and hanging out with him. What happens is he starts to change our thinking. just happens. He just changes our thoughts and our thinking. And what the Bible says is that the Christian has the mind of Christ. And that's where I want my mind to be. I hope that's where you want your mind to be. man, I want to have the mind of Christ about this. I want to have the mind of Christ about this relationship. I want to have the mind of Christ about how I'm about to spend my money right now on this particular thing. I want to have the mind of Christ about how I'm going to parent. You know? I want to have the mind of Christ about how I'm going to approach church this morning. And be around my brothers and sisters. That's where we want to be. And there's no substitute. The only way it happens is by being alone with the king. It can't happen through anybody else. It can't be like, well, you know, I heard a really good inspiring message today. That's secondhand information, and that's kind of good, but honestly, you need time with the king. Use what that secondhand information was. Like, let that spur you on. Be like, yeah, I don't know what he said there, you know. Flip through that thing and like get into it. And then that changing of our mind happens in his presence And then what we're able to do is then put on the new self. We get dressed in a whole other way. Right, I got a slide here. I think a little bear here getting dressed in the morning. So we can start to approach mornings like this. Hopefully you don't have green underwear like that. But uh, we can get dressed in the morning like this, you know, to where these things matter. Like, you know what? I don't care what awaits me this morning. I'm trying to put on... My new man, my new woman. Clothe myself with some meekness, with some righteousness, righteousness, with some love, with some kindness. I'm going to purposely clothe myself with it, no matter what comes my way. I'm going to. And my situation is i going to determine if I'm going to give that or not. Oh, that's big. Because so many times the situation does determine if we're going to give that stuff or not. And we're able to do that if we're putting off that old nonsense and we're changing our minds, and then we can be able to put on Jesus, man, and just go throughout the day and just be dressed with Jesus as we go through the day. I mean, that's the goal. And as we continue to do that, purity is really a byproduct. It just works itself out. It's a natural byproduct of just being with Jesus. The purity part just gets worked out. It's awesome. And then, what happens? Five years, six years, ten years, ten years? We just keep changing into new people. We're just different. Not because we're getting older and we're changing with maturity processes and our brains are just... No, like we're changing into the image of Jesus Christ more than what we were 10 years ago. Because that's the goal, man. We don't want to be sitting here or going to our jobs doing whatever and being the same person that we are today five years from now. That's not my goal. I hope that's not your goal. And that's definitely not God's goal it's going to bring us to new places and do new things and be a new person and be a type of people man the where we can now we're becoming more like love to people so man it's just undeniable that God owns us and that we've been with him because that's the thing that's going to transform the world we were created to be love to begin with because God is love when we were created in his image so he's doing that work in us as he continues, as we continue to try and make purity be focal. He's working through us to be loved to the rest of this world, to be the type of people that he created us to be in the first place before sin ever got involved. It's amazing. It's amazing. But I'm hoping that we can be intentional and be aggressive about the things in our life that we need to be intentional and aggressive about. We all have different things. We got like different stuff. We all do. I have it. You have it. We got them. And whatever's like dangerous for me might not be dangerous for you. But whatever's dangerous for you, I might not really have a hard time with. And for some of those particular things, we have to be pretty aggressive about and intentional about. And like go after the jugular on some of those things. No, I can't have that in my life. Well, maybe you can do it, like whatever. But I cannot it cannot be there. It gets me in trouble. It gets me down the wrong track. It gets me thinking the wrong way. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. That's what the heathen does, right? And we don't want to be that. We don't want to go that route. There are some other things, but we're going to do it. We're going to take communion together. And um, the, the, see, the thing that was exciting to me about this passage and when Paul picks this part up is that he makes it, I think, and hopefully I helped make it. I hope I didn't mess it more up. But we're going to be new people. Like, we're, we're in the process right now. Like, you're sitting right now in the middle of transformation that's happening. Like, God is doing good work to make you... A new woman and a new man. Like it's happening right now as we're here listening and as we're sitting. And as we're surrendering to the spirit. Making us new. And I am so excited. And I hope you are too. To be just done away with just some of the crap that may have plagued us for a long time. Because it doesn't have to. The word has promised that we're not imprisoned to anything or anyone or any behavior, or any thought. That is such good news. And then the awesome thing is that when there's just a group of people, now new women and new men, that really know, man, that they're being changed and transformed, you get them out in public, you can't shut them up. And they're not even just like trying to proselytize people. Man, they're getting the love of Jesus and they just want to love on people. If they get a chance to maybe reason with apologetics and do other things, hey, cool. But man, I just want to love it because I love you. I've just been with God and He's just showing me how He loves people. That's what we want to be filled with, right? And that's the purpose of church. We can stir one another on in good works and be talking about this stuff and then go out. Like we talked about last week, you know, little hornets' nests are stinging people for Jesus, you know, in all the right ways, in the right ways. So hopefully during communion time, we're going to take, uh, right now together, um, we're doing communion a little bit different today. Thank you to Michelle Latulip for baking some nice bread for communion, there's no rule against that, right? Some nice bread for communion time. Also, the communion juice does not look as dark as it usually does. It's not because it's old and expired, but uh, it's, it's more of a focus on white grapes, so it's not quite as dark, um, but during the communion time, man, I, I tell you what, I would just take this time right now during communion time, and if there's stuff that needs to be cleared out of that special space that's supposed to be reserved for the king, I put it to him right now right now like make sure it's all on his terms with his language and like his way and then just thank thank god that jesus thank you that you paid for all that thank you that i come before you i can just confess this to you be repentful of it and you're not going to count it against me there might be consequences maybe of what i have said done or whatever but as far as god goes we can approach him with confidence So um, if you'd like to, come on up, um, take communion. We'll have a little song playing in the background softly. And I'll just spend the time in prayer. Hold on to the elements and then we'll take it.